welcome back to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fun Caliber. Sustainable investing will mean different things to different people. And today's guest highlights that very fact by talking us through the healthcare sector, artificial intelligence, and the circular economy. I'm Stacey West, and today I'm joined by David Harrison, manager of the Rathbone Green Bank Global Sustainability Fund. David, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Stacey. Good to talk again. Now, it's been a busy year for markets, yet in your recent update, you wrote about the surprising resilience of the US and UK economies and whether this unexpected resilience can continue is ultimately the million pound question. So let's start there. Do you think this resilience in markets can continue? Yeah, like you say, I think, you know, coming into the year, uh, a lot of the conventional wisdom was that we were going to go into a recession, certainly in the US. You know, I think we had probably a slightly more positive view on the US economy. And if you kind of move forward to, to, to where we are now, um, we, we, we're still seeing a pretty good performance out of many of the important parts of uh, certainly of the U.S. economy. You look at the U.S. consumer, consumer spending still being holding up. U.S. employment's quite good. And we've seen a lot of um, huge um, investment, in, you know, particularly from the, the, the stimulus from the Biden administration um, on, on the industrial side. So I think certainly that you know the US has surprised a lot of people um in terms of the economic strength and um, and some degree uh, Europe as well. I think the UK is always a bit of a, a different case. We, we we know that the UK economy um has its own issues, but you know we're certainly seeing signs of improvement. So from an economic level, um it's still it, you know it, it's still okay. I think you have to watch it closely. Um, obviously, what we always look at is is the companies, and if you look at earnings, um, you look at the most recent earnings um, from both in the US and the UK, they've been better than expected. So, I don't want to give you kind of a an overly rosy picture, but certainly from where we were six nine months ago, um, I think it's fair to say that you know things are holding up. But it's something we're going to have to keep a close eye on um, into the end of the year. And you said there that it's really, you know, it's all about your companies in particular. So how have you been assessing your companies during this period? Are you taking one view or another? Or are you trying to just really stay balanced no matter actually what the next 12 months looks like? Talk us through that. Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question, Stacey. It's, I think for us, it always starts with the individual business. So as we build the portfolio, it's really you know understanding what the management team of each business, you know how they're facing a lot of challenges. So really, if you kind of think back, a lot of companies are just coming out of the the issues thrown up by COVID. So by that, I mean things like supply chains being disrupted. And many of our businesses now, you know, they are seeing that getting back to normal. So supply chains improving, inflation coming down in lots of cases. But it really is about case by case, meeting the management team, understanding how they're allocating capital, how they are really facing the challenges. But I think you mentioned the word balance. Um, yeah, ba- balance is really important in this environment. You know, we 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 just spoke about the you know the uncertainty at the macro level, but again, it's about having companies that are generally um, conservatively managed, have a strong market position, um, and a sensible management team. Um, and not to oversimplify it, but really that's the way you achieve the balance. I think, and uh, we're just going meeting every business as we always do to see how they're feeling about um, about the medium term. 
Have you had more meetings then in the last six to nine months because it's been so hectic and volatile or is it kind of business as usual on, on that front as well? I'd say largely business as, as usual, but we have made a, a note that every quarter, you know, we'll be meeting management teams either in person, virtually, because the, almost the, the last well, three years have been uh, have been so volatile for companies in terms of how they manage their business. I think it's really important that you you, you stay very close to the management teams. They don't always have the answers, and you know, you, obviously, you do a lot of work away from that. But you know, we found it is probably one of the most powerful tools still if you meet a good management team because they're seeing things that others can't see, whether it be ordering patterns or what customers are saying. So that still remains a, a really important tool for us. And this fund has just passed its fifth anniversary. So congratulations. How has investing in this universe kind of changed over the time over that time frame? Um, are there new themes coming through? And then maybe are there areas as well that were once a big concern, like nuclear energy and armaments that have now thought of to be less of an issue um, as they could kind of maybe be key to the energy tradition uh, transition or defense has been kind of brought back to the fore. Um, does that kind of make these areas that were once taboo maybe less on PC than they used to be? Yeah, so I'd say that on the first part of the question, I mean, in the last five years, sustainability ESG has expanded so much. So I'd say in general, the investable universe has, has got um, has got a lot bigger. And some of the themes, you know, energy transition you mentioned there in the question, that has grown um, and will continue to grow. So our opportunity set of companies has has grown significantly um and regionally as well you know i think what was mainly a european phenomenon five ten years ago has now expandedly expanded rapidly in the us which is, is very exciting for us with specific areas around defense and nuclear weapons this is something we we talked about a lot um, and you know the fund we have a very strict ethical framework and we you know particularly last year we talked about nuclear we talked about defense in in light of what was happening in the world but we stuck to the the original framework so you know we're not incorporating um defense companies or nuclear energy companies really because of the beliefs we have, but also the opportunities we see outside that. So you know, we feel that within the industrial base or energy transition, we don't go need to go the nuclear route or include defense companies because we have that big investable universe. But it is something that we monitor and we monitor very closely with our, our colleagues at, at Rathbone Green Bank Investments. With the kind of expandable universe then as well are you seeing more companies being kind of on your radar or on your bench so to speak than you would have maybe at the start of this process five years ago yeah it's i we definitely see more you know it's in every theme or you know every sector we're seeing lots more companies that maybe three or four years ago they wouldn't have kind of figured for us and i think that reflects a lot of the companies themselves um, have done a lot of work. So, you know, we, we talk about the US as a good example. We've seen so many companies embrace how they express sustainability or ESG, getting better around um, how they disclose things, talking about their business. 
So that does give you a much wider bench or a, you know, a longer kind of tail of things we can look at. We find, though, often just because something might have a, a strong ESG rating, until we actually meet the company and we dig into the detail of the business, um, you know, it does whittle out quite a few um, ones that might look good on the surface. So I'd never say that there are too many on the bench. I think you have to, it really goes back to now when there is that optically that much bigger choice, going back and do, digging in and doing the work. And it really, it kind of goes back to the fundamentals of going to meet the management team, going to kind of kick the tires, all these things, and really looking about what sustainability means to each business um, and how they can express that. And we still find that kind of whittles down the, the, the investor, you know, the, the, the the options for us, as it were, quite quickly. Talking about some of these themes, when we spoke to you back in January, you mentioned healthcare briefly as a long-term theme. So I just want to take some time and get more into that today. Um, you've recently added a new holding in this space as well with Merck. So maybe let's just start by talk us through some of the opportunities in the healthcare space. What types of companies are you investing in when you're saying that you're looking at uh, healthcare and, and what is their appeal today? Yeah, so I think the, the healthcare space, particularly with kind of a global lens or looking through a global lens, you've got so much choice. Um, yeah, the, you mentioned Merck in the question. So yeah, it, you've got the traditional kind of pharmaceutical healthcare businesses. And we added Merck earlier in the year, um, mainly because of um, their, their, they have a very strong franchise in Keytruda, which is uh, oncology and uh, cancer treatment. Um, yeah, they have that incredibly strong franchise, which can is growing um, and they, they can extend. So in the case of a kind of a simple or not simple pharmaceutical, a pharmaceutical business like Merck, it's the appeal and the importance of um, something like cancer treatment or, or oncology. But then when you kind of take a step back in healthcare, you've got you know, things like medical devices. Um, and what do I mean by that? Uh, you know, we, we've owned a business called Dexcom for a number of, um, a number of years, and Dexcom is one of the leaders in diabetes care. So you know, when we think about healthcare, you I think you have to break it down. And we know something like diabetes is probably one of the biggest future healthcare issues we're going to face everywhere. Something like a, De a Dexcom that provides the monitoring software um, it is growing. Um, it's a business that, you know, clear benefits for consumers in terms of how you live your daily life. Um, so I think, you know, diabetes is really interesting. Then we own another business called IDEX Laboratories, which some people might know listening to listening to the podcast. IDEX Laboratories are the leaders in, um, in in companion animal diagnostics. So when you go along um, to, to the vet, you you'll get diagnostics done, and it can really reveal um, issues that you know clearly your pet can't tell you about. Um, that's a phenomenal business that you know is it, probably most penetrated in the US. But is growing internationally. Even in the US, the penetration is quite low. So something like that, again, very targeted. Um, you know, we think one of the best management teams in the healthcare space. Or, or you know, kind of again in another 
part, a niche of, of healthcare is, is a business like Thermo Fisher Scientific. Um, Thermo Fisher, again, we've owned for a long time. You go to any um, university or commercial lab, you'll see the Thermo Fisher equipment um, you know, uh, that is used was incredibly important in COVID um, in development of vaccines, testing, but again, kind of thinking about future drug development and future technologies, something like a Thermo Fisher um, is incredibly well placed. Um, I think the other thing as well on healthcare is, you know, as well as you've got the sustainability side, but the fundamental side is really attractive. You know, these businesses, you, know, you have to pick the right ones, but generally grow nicely over the economic cycle. Barriers to entry are high. All those businesses I mentioned, you know, they are the leaders, and you know, it's taken a long time to build up that leadership position. So we think it's just a, a really interesting area. I have to admit, I didn't consider healthcare to be my dog's blood work. Um. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's, that's the beauty in a way. It's so it's so diverse, and there's so much opportunity. <laughs> I will rethink that when I get the next vet bill. Um, (laughs) But one of the reasons that I did want to talk about healthcare is because it's not necessarily one of the first things that I would associate with sustainability. I mean, on the one hand, you have the development and the creation of these potentially life-saving medicine and devices like you talked about, which is obviously great. Um, And then on the other hand, you have this high cost of medicine in countries like the US where I have experience. Um, And good medicine especially can be really hard to access for so many people. From a sustainability perspective, how do you balance that innovation with this conflicting trend of rising drug prices and how are you then, you know, engaging with your companies who who have this medicine and capability to ensure that the the innovation and all of the great stuff that they're doing and taking place, but then remains accessible for, you know, those people who who need it most. Yeah, that's a very good question, Stacey. And this is you mentioned it. It's about engagement. So I think, you know, absolutely when you look at global drug pricing, there's huge disparities. And you, this is something we engage with. And we, we started in COVID, the COVID period, engaging with healthcare, pharmaceutical businesses, you know, testing companies around the availability and pricing of drugs and testing. This is something that won't be solved in three or six months. It's long-term engagement. And it's something we actively do, not just the fund ourselves, but we do it um, you know, across the unit trust business and, and Rathbones as, as a group. We generally find that actually the health, the, the pharmaceutical businesses, they're more receptive, but still there's a long way to go. Um, it's clearly something that we need. You know, you can't rely on gen, you know, just generics coming in and then you know, making the, that price cheaper. Um, it's something that we do engage on, but it's something that will take um, three to five years. Um, I would say though, certainly, the, you know, if you think about the companies we own in the fund, Merck, and AstraZeneca are the kind of two traditional drug makers, as it were. They have been very receptive um, and they're willing to work with us and others in, in the industry. But it is something that we need to keep engaging on. That kind of brings me nicely to my what I wanted to finish on, which was looking forward to these kind of long-term themes. So as we said at the beginning, this fund has reached its five-year anniversary. So maybe talk us through what you potentially are thinking you're going to see in the next five years? Are there newer trends that are coming to the forefront that maybe people don't know about or just simply aren't talking about because they're not 
quote unquote mainstream enough. Um, what do you think are going to be those next big things that hopefully when we talk in five years time is the, is the subject then? I think I, so I thought about kind of two. So one that we've spoken about a lot that is really gaining traction is circular economy. So circular economy, um, we know the reuse of everything from clothing, um, plastics, uh, building materials, for example, that has taken a while to pick up, um, but now is really accelerating. Um, I think it's taken a lot of the companies, but, you know, a lot of the industry-wide and, and um, kind of wider bodies like the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, that is taken a long time to engage, but there's really a flywheel effect there. So, you know, for us, we you know, we see it in a business like um, advanced drainage systems, which we've held, which um, is based in the US, but you use recycled plastics for stormwater drains in buildings. And it just takes time to get, included in um you know the building codes in, in various states in the us but once you're in um, and people realize the benefits that adoption rate goes up i think you know you're seeing people start to think in a more circular fashion in things like clothing um and that's something that is really you know has has probably gone from very very niche to growing and i think in five years time will be a, a very big area of sustainability because we need to that's one of the most urgent areas we know that we need to do more we're not doing it enough so that's you know one um and where you know there's not off sometimes you might not be you know hundreds of companies you can invest in but one of the most powerful wider big themes which is very exciting although we do have exposure i say the other one you know this is today is not about ai it's not about um but I, i've been thinking about um you know industry and and how you know industry becomes more digitized and we have spoken about that in the past so everything from a factory the construction site and um, what we are seeing and what our companies are telling us things like ai are accelerating that massively and the benefits will be felt across a number of industries so we're still at the very very early stages of this and i know you'll speak to other people that you know they, they're much more focused on this but this does touch on a number of our companies. So whether that be um, you know, some of the big technology companies we hold, like a Microsoft that will enable that, or a number of the industrial companies that um, you know, or another technology company like Ansys that you know will allow that acceleration, or a number of industrial companies that then their customers will are investing in those digital assets because it improves efficiency and safety. I think that could be a really, um, you know, a really a huge growing area that's still still quite early days. Um, so that's two. I could talk about loads more, but I, I kind of feel very strongly on the circular economy side. And I think that industrial digitization theme is really accelerating now, particularly from um, the adoption of AI coming through. It's interesting that you say the circular economy because we didn't, we didn't really have time to get into today, but obviously you kind of use the sustainable development goals from the UN within the framework of this fund that the circular economy is one of those things that kind of transcends so many of those goals that it almost makes sense that that is going to become a 
bigger, more long-term thing. Um, same with kind of AI to an extent, it would cross over into a lot of those things. Definitely have to talk about that next time in a little bit more detail. So David, thank you so much. That was really interesting. And thank you for letting me pick your brain about healthcare. I have been thinking about that since January. Thanks very much, Stacey. It's great to talk to you again. Rathbone Greenbank Global Sustainability can invest in companies of any size, but will have a bias towards mid-caps. The fund also has fully integrated sustainability analysis undertaken in collaboration with the Rathbone Greenbank investment team. This includes actively avoiding businesses involved in unethical or unsustainable practices, as well as each holding possessing at least one positive environmental, social, or governance attribute. To learn more about the Rathbone Greenbank Global Sustainability Fund, visit fundcaliber.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. Mm-hmm.